Hey everybody, it's Blaine. And I'm Wayne. This is the Wayne and Blaine podcast, episode number two. Got a fun show coming up. We interview Jason Backman and Dante Hawkins of Hope College Basketball, talk a little rivalry, a few other things going on with those guys. UCF's claiming a national title, talk Lions, Michigan football, talk a little Big Ten hoops. Got a great show coming up. Let's kick it off. Let's get it going, Matt. With your hosts, Matt Wayner and Blaine Weirs Bicky. I'm excited. Should we start with the starting lineup? Blaine, what do we got now? Yeah, to get going with the starting lineup. UCF football claiming a national title, Matt. They weren't invited to the <laughs> college football playoff, but they finished thirteen and zero. What are your thoughts? You know, Blaine, a championship they want to claim. I'm gonna say no. A spot in the college football playoff, I say yes. This gives the committee reason to think about an eight-team playoff, no matter how stubborn they want to be. If not an eight-team playoff, then find a way to accurately measure strength of schedule. I think that's the issue when it comes to to talking about why UCF didn't make it into the college football playoff. They probably lose to Alabama by 17-21, to 21, but nonetheless... They were 13-0, and and they beat Auburn 34-27. Don't you think they deserve a right to be in that playoff? Well, yeah, they beat Auburn, and Auburn's the only team this year to beat Georgia or Alabama, the teams in the title game. Look, there's a bigger problem than just this. I mean, I don't think the size of the playoff is, is going to change anything because when there were two teams, number three was mad they were left out. There's four, number five. There's an 18 playoff, number nine is going to be upset that they're left out. Every major pro sports organization and even most college sports at every other level, you win your conference, you're going to make it to the playoffs. Obviously, a four-team playoff doesn't work when you've got five major conferences and plenty of other conferences. With the strength of schedule UCF has, most people would say they don't deserve to be in the playoff. I get that. But I'm talking this year they beat the team that was the only team, Auburn, to beat the two teams in the championship game. So how can you say that they don't have a chance? Clemson didn't show up against Alabama either. Alabama's just... That's a whole other ball game. I mean, they they are Alabama. There's a reason they're in the title game every year. I, I I just think we need to we need to have major restructuring, and I don't think it's playoff size. I think you need to change the parameters for how you get into the playoff. So four teams, a little bit better than eight. Let's move on here. Big Ten hoops. First impression, Blaine. We're four games into conference play. Any surprises here? And also tell me a little bit of what you think about Michigan hoops as well. Well, I mean, man, we got a surprise last night seeing Ohio State take down. <laughs> Michigan State by 16 points. I mean, it's on the road. There's no easy win in the Big Ten. I'm not saying it's it's you know outlandish to think that Michigan State's going to drop a road game here or there. I talked last week about how complete they look as a team, and that's still true. But you know, Ohio State maybe they're making their push to show that they're going to be a contender this year. It's hard to believe for me a team with Andrew Dockage getting considerable playing time is going to make a push. <laughs> but Michigan went into Ohio State and they lost. They they blew a huge lead. It was an embarrassing loss for Michigan. Ohio State showing that they're going to win games. Michigan so far looking solid. You take away that that tough loss to Ohio State. They've got two top five matchups coming up. Home against Purdue. That's going to be competitive. I think Michigan's going to get a win against Purdue. Watching the Boilers this year, they're good. If Michigan can keep Haas and some of those other bigs from completely dominating inside, they shoot well. I think they win at home. At State, they're going to lose by 25-plus. Hope I'm wrong, but Michigan doesn't go into the Bruzen Center and get wins, especially with the team state has what do you think about big 10 hoops so far i read i read this article earlier today by myron medcalf who's yeah. been covering the big 10 for a long time and 
he had mentioned this being the Big Ten's worst and most boring season in this column and following Ohio State's win over MSU, and I strongly disagree. This is still a really fun and competitive league, in my opinion. It's not as top-heavy, and I think that's what he's responding to, and I under, I understand. You Do you remember that year, 2014 or 15? It was uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, IU were all top 12 sure. teams yep. consistently, and it's not as top-heavy. However, I... I think the state of the Big Ten is in an okay place. You got younger coaches, Holtman at OSU, Archie at IU, who are making some serious waves. IU got a big win against Minnesota the other night. Ohio State gets that big win against Michigan State. I think the the Big Ten is just fine. And if you're a Mason Blue fan, you should be seriously optimistic because they have three freshmen Mm -hmm. coming off the bench playing valuable minutes. Oh, yeah. And when you think about it, they have two potential uh, first-rounders for next year that are completely under underperforming. So you give uh, Beeline till late February, March, I think this team is going to be firing on all cylinders. And I'm trying not to be biased. but Right. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Try not to be biased. Beeline is one of the best developmental coaches in college basketball, period. You look at the guys he's sent to the NBA. He's got a lot of young talent. Throughout the year, they'll develop. And Beeline is the best uh, head basketball coach, college coach in the state of Michigan. So, I mean, it'll piss people off. I know some Spartan fans, but, I mean, people talk about uh, Harbaugh being overrated over at Michigan. Uh, Izzo, time for him to uh, prove it. Come March. Wait till March. I've been waiting for a long time. So, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for the Spartans to make a push this year. Moving on to the Lions now. Jim Caldwell is out waiting on who the Lions are going to hire. We've been hearing waves that it's – definitely going to be Matt Patricia from uh, the Patriots. Of course, a lot of coach speak I'm getting from Patricia this week because they're in the playoffs. Obviously, you're not going to get much from him. If it is him, what do you think? And even if it is him, uh, what other changes to the Lions need to make? Is it just a head coach change at the top, or is there more that needs to go into it? Well, Blaine, I actually didn't hear Matt Patricia. I heard Matt Wainer, um, <laughs> actually. And you can't see I'm wearing a nice sweater and my outfit that I had on work today, but I just came from my interview with the Lions. Uh, they did not offer me the position, but okay. they said they were interested. Um, anyway, yeah, I hear Matt Patricia from a lot of sources. Um, I also hear about Minnesota offense coordinator Pat Shermer in the mix as well. Um I know Matt Stafford really wants to keep Jim Bob Cooter, and they have some pretty good assets at receiver, keeper at quarterback. How about a running back? They've been talking about this all year. They should draft a running back. This is a deep running back class in this draft. You get that guy from LSU, uh, Darius Geis, Geis, or Bryce Love, or Bo Scarborough. I mean, you get Damian Harris from Alabama as well. Those are all really good options. What do you think, Blaine? I mean, for me, if – if Patricia's the next coach, then fine. I don't have a problem with it, but I just I don't think that the head coach is going to make that big of a difference just for line. I mean, he's never been a head coach in his life. That's the one thing to be concerned about. I mean, he's he's done a fine job with the Patriots' defense, nothing exceptional. Uh, but it's taking a guy like Kyle Van Noy, who the Lions drafted with a second-round pick and wasn't much used to them, and he turned them into he turned him into a, a starter at linebacker in in that Patriots' defense. And you just wonder if he can develop a few of those guys to help put the Lions' defense to the next level. But for me, it all starts with the offensive line, and that's football, period. you got to win in the trenches, and that old line needs to be pick, picked up a bit. Uh, you know, they made some nice moves picking up Lang last year, but they had injuries this year. So 
Lions fans need to sit back and realize, okay, it was a tough time trying to pace together an offensive line at times. They get healthy. The run game will improve. Stafford's got some weapons. Um, and I don't know, it's just for me, we're just going to have to wait and see. I don't think it's one solution. There are a lot of different things. Lions were close to the playoffs again. It just seems like every year it's either squeak into the playoffs and lose or just miss the playoffs. So they got to make some major, major changes. It's not going to happen in a year for the Lions to be competitors. Um, I don't even want to say Super Bowl in the same sentence as the Lions. It just doesn't even make sense. So 2019, 16-0, Lions in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Moving forward now, similar to the Lions, what changes need to be made for Michigan football? Who will we see on the coaching staff next year? And how much pressure is Harbaugh really under? So Dan Enos coming from Arkansas. We're hearing his offensive coordinator there. He was quarterback's coach at Michigan State, head coach at Central. He also coached quarterbacks at Cincinnati. So you got to assume he's going to have some sort of role with quarterbacks. Michigan hasn't defined his role yet. I mean, Drevno's still around. I know I would like Drevno to be gone, and a lot of people would because, man, some of that play calling last year was just so predictable, and it's tough. You have injuries at quarterback. I get that it's not just one guy as well. Um, but anyways, uh, we've got uh, Greg Frey leaving for Florida State. I think Jay Harbaugh slides back to coach tight ends, take that spot. Um, and then you've got a hodgepodge of guys that they're just going to have to work out, figure out who's going to coach where on offense. Last year we saw Drevno call plays. Uh, Hamilton did and Harbaugh as well. So I think they need to you know, squeeze off a little bit more of the fat, get a couple guys gone. And I think uh, I think Enos comes in somewhere in offense. I have no clue where, but it's got to be with quarterbacks, I imagine. Jay Harbaugh over to tight ends coach. Figure it out from there. What are you thinking? I'm glad you, you mentioned all those names for different coaches. I want to switch gears a little bit here for what I want to talk about for Michigan football. It's expectation. You and I had this conversation off air about a week ago after that tough loss against South Carolina, Blaine. And I think we run into a a heavy problem as fans where we just have unruly expectations for our teams to perform and then really, really treat them poorly when they underperform. I mean, look at the way Donovan Peoples-Jones responded to that, that poor attempt on the punt return. He was His mind was gone the rest of that game. And I don't completely blame the fans, but I just think there's an enormous amount of pressure to play at Michigan. And I think as, as fans, when we put that kind of pressure on a player and on Harbaugh, it takes away a lot of the the personal drive and the way that people respond to that pressure. I don't think pressure is bad by any stretch of the imagination, but sometimes as fans, we're saying for Michigan football, it's title or bust. If you're an Indiana player, we were talking to Zach last week, it's title or bust, and you feel that pressure, and that sort of, that can get to you as, as a young athlete, especially. So I think it's time we relax, we take a step back, and we realize they're in decent shape, okay, Blaine? I think next year, you made the prediction 10-2-ish and two -ish next year uh, for a finish. They're going to need to win two of three big road games, Notre Dame, MSU, or OSU. I think they need to win two of those if they want to be in the playoff. Yeah, I don't see it happening next year. I said it when Harbaugh got hired. I think year five is going to be the year they compete for the playoff. That would be 2019 where they flip it to home games against OSU, MSU, Notre Dame on the road at Wisconsin-Penn State. I think they'll be fine next year, but I, I really think 2019, everyone keeps making the joke, oh, the, next year's our year, Michigan keeps saying it. Well, no, I didn't. You know, I think if you were reasonable when, when Harbaugh got hired, you expected the wins to to improve from what we saw from Brady Hoke 
and it has, but give it a couple of years. I really do think Michigan's competing for a college football playoff yeah. spot in a couple of years. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm just sick of the coaching carousel. Oh, That's it's too it's really, too quick these it's days. Just too quick. Guys, you know, guys are out if they don't win a win a title in their first couple of years, and it's like, it's, come on, man. You need to give them time to develop. Look at what Beeline has been doing year after year, getting better, and we're putting him in the same conversation with Izzo consistently. You know, he's been at Michigan just about 10 years now, I think, and it's the same thing. Let's give Harbaugh some time. He will be fine. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's a process. Well, that'll wrap it up for the starting lineup, and uh, we're going to move on to some podium winners. This week we've got best position in sports. This is fun. Matt and I took a little different approach on ours, I think. Um, But to get us started, Matt, you want to give us your top three best positions in all of sports with your Browns, where you go. So we did go a little different direction here, Blaine, but but I like it. My number three would be long snapper in the NFL, specifically for the Jaguars. Okay. I say that because that guy's about as active as Blake Bortles. They had 100 punts this year. The long snapper's on the field about a third of the amount of time as Blake Bortles. I mean, he must get paid well. If I'm going to be a long snapper, I want to be on a team that's going to punt a lot. And the Jaguars, they they can hardly keep the ball. They're always giving it to the other team. Yeah, that's interesting. For for, for my bronze, I went with a pro bass fisherman. Okay, fishing is a sport. Shout out to Adrian College, MIAA. They have a bass fishing team. Pretty cool. Uh, man, just being out in the sun, catching some fish all day. I mean, that's just ultimate. As far as sports, I mean, I'd be sitting out there going, oh, yeah, I guess this is a sport. I guess we're competing, but... You're sitting out there catching fish all day. That's my that's my bronze for sure. Personally, I don't fish, but I like that move. My number two, my silver medal, I would want to be a professional surfer or a skateboarder. I put them kind of both in the same as that sort of uh, you know X Games type move there. I've got a little bit of a heart that belongs out in California, Blaine, so could you see me with some water? you got the hair, hair right now. Well, yeah. you're already halfway there. Yeah, I'm halfway there on the hair, so could you see me out there with a Cali girl 100%. surfing the waves? Uh, one of my f- – a very underrated movie. I wanted to mention it last week, but it wasn't low budget enough. Chasing Mavericks. Mm. Have you seen it? Yeah, there you go. Really good movie. Yeah. That makes me want to know how to surf. Yeah. Well, I almost put The Endless Summer on my low budget oh, films. That's, I mean, that's the original yeah. surfer movie. That's <laughs> – that's that's classic. Uh, for me, for silver, it's funny because your bronze was uh, a long snapper for the Jags for getting all that time. I got number two. I got a Big 12 punter because they get no time. I mean, being <laughs> a punter for Oklahoma, think about it. You are, you are, you play football for the Oklahoma Sooners. You're in the playoff. You're getting a lot of attention. And you're out there. What do they punt? What do you punt? Four times all year? Obviously, punting more than that. But, I mean, it just seems like you're, you're – I mean, you're out there. You could hang out, practice, punt a few footballs. And I think right now – Probably the hottest time in history to be a special teamer. (laughs) Guys like Pat McAfee are making it a great time to be a special teamer. I mean, punters are getting more respect than they ever have in their arsenal. That that punter out for the Raiders out in Oakland, he has a ton of them. He's all over Twitter. I can't remember his name. Yeah, well, there's there's, uh, a lot of different punters in the NFL now that that are really mixing up their, their repertoire, different kinds of kicks. Marquette and King. Marquette King, yeah. And and they can really uh they can really pin guys deep. They're more useful than they ever were and hottest time to be a special teamer ever. So my silver goes to Big Twelve punter, maybe an Oklahoma punter. I like it. My number one, my gold medal, and this is not ironic, because this uh is is the last leg of the four by one hundred freestyle relay in wow. the Olympics. The gold medal goes to 
Jason Lee Zach. Okay. Circa 2008, you see Circa you got there. Circa 2008, yeah. Beijing Olympics. Do you remember this? Yeah, that was a fantastic re- uh, That Here's the thing. is The French were talking smack before that. If oh, you yeah. remember, they were saying, oh yeah. oh, yeah, the Americans were taking him down. And he was down big. That's one of the best oh, comebacks yeah. in sports history, Amazing. just that leg. Unbelievable. I like I, that. I love that video. I get chills every time I watch it. That, that was Phelps, I think, like his 18th gold medal. Something stupid yeah. like that. Yep. And when he... he one eight that year in Beijing. Right. Lee Zach brought him back to win that one. That's just an amazing just, moment. It meant so much for Phelps, for the U.S., for swimming, uh, for them personally. Like I said, the French, they're talking smack. And these yeah. guys come out, get the win. That was pretty spectacular. I like that one. So that's the, the my best position in sports right there would be the last leg of the 4 by one uh, Yeah, that's that's a lot of pressure. But I like that. I mean, for me, here's, here's my number one. A little more pressure than my last two, but it's got to be just a PGA Tour golfer. Best <laughs> best thing, best position in all of sports is just to be a golfer, man. I mean, sure, there's pressure, and gosh, I mean, if anybody who golfs knows, like sometimes, you know, you love golf, but sometimes golf's your least favorite thing in the world out there if it's not going your way. But just the courses these guys get to go play at and imagine just being able to make the kind of money they do. Look at the young guys, too. That they're bringing back golf to a younger generation. Guys uh, like Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, and you see guys like DJ just hitting the ball a mile. He hit the ball within two feet of a cup on a par four. He had to drive 433, I think it was, uh, this past weekend. These guys are just balling out in Hawaii, spring breaking it up together. Ricky Fowler, Roy McIlroy. I mean, there's just so many fun faces in golf. It would be a blast to be a PGA Tour golfer right now. That's got to be my gold medal. I've worked at golf courses for about five years, Blaine, but I've never been able to hit the ball off a tee. <laughs> but when I watch those guys, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, they make me want to love golf. Oh, absolutely. So that just about concludes our podium winners. Yeah, moving on. I think it's about main event time. It's about main event time? Main event time. Main event time. Here we come. It's time for the main event. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Moving into NFL playoffs, we had wildcard games this weekend, had some fun matchups, um, and we've got some big games coming up, a good slate of matchups for the divisional rounds. So let's get into it. Main event time, buckle in. Let's go in and let's do it. All right. Should we start with the first game? Do you want to recap a little bit? I think we should recap a little bit of this last Definitely. Um, so the two games we had this past weekend were the Titans and the Chiefs. Yep. And the Bills and the Jags. Yeah, those are our AFC matchups that we had this weekend. And then the NFC matchups, of course, we had with uh, the Falcons getting the dub that I called over the Rams. And then we had the Saints and the Panthers. Um, Saints and Panthers was a great matchup. Uh, Falcons-Rams ended up being a great game. Uh, Chiefs and uh, Titans, wow, that was quite the comeback win for the Titans. Um, and then we had kind of a weird game with uh, the Bills and the Jags, a little bit boring. I don't know. What, what are your takes from the matchups? What do you want to talk about most? Yeah, from what I saw this weekend, I was obviously pretty disappointed in the Rams. I wanted them to go deep, and I was pretty embarrassed of you putting that on Twitter, your take having the Falcons win. That was hilarious, Blaine, <laughs> but... Uh, I I can buy into the Falcons now. I think they are getting hot at the right time. That's what it's all about, yeah. They're, they're going into Wentzless Philadelphia this weekend. 
with a two and a half point favorite. Yeah, the Falcons are like the Falcons are like uh, you. You've seen the Princess Diaries, right? Like right when she finds out she's royalty, she gets a makeover. Like she, just getting hot at the right time. <laughs> like all of a sudden, she just goes from loser girl in high school to a queen. Getting I hot mean, at the right to a princess. Time. Getting hot at the right time. That's the Falcons, and honestly, I mean, we'll talk about it later. But I like their next matchup too. I mean, I like talk. Yeah, the Titans and Chiefs game, man. That was insane. When when the Titans are trying to ice the game, Henry had a great game. You oh, called yeah. that. You yeah, said that you lo- you thought if he was going to be the guy carrying mm-hmm. the ball, that they were going to do well on the ground. He had over 150 yards. You're absolutely right. That was that was exactly what happened. And a crazy comeback. I mean, the, the Chiefs go up 14 nothing in that game, and they're rolling, and Kelsey's just doing his thing. I'm like, this game's over. Mm-hmm. Kelsey gets hurt. Offense slows down, and the Titans just continue pounding the ball. They go up by a point the end of the game they're trying to ice it and we thought henry fumbles the Chiefs scoop and score for a touchdown that would have been one of the most unbelievable plays in playoff history go back to the replay he was clearly down mm-hmm. um i don't really have a horse in that race so i was a little upset i was ready for just an insane play uh but the titans moving on that's i mean they were they were an interesting team throughout the year and offensively they were running the ball well they're gonna have to step it up though big time if they want to win that next matchup yeah if you want Early, early help on fantasy next year. I'm buying into Derrick Henry. I think they dropped DeMarco Murray because uh, he's up for big money, and I don't think they want to keep him after just a terrible season. Yeah, Henry was averaging 4.6 yards per carry this year. That'll win some football games. That'll win some football games. And a Titans team that will return a lot of very good young players. I think Henry has himself primed for a great year next year. Um Unfortunately, we'll, I don't know what he will do in New England this weekend, um, but from what I saw in in the wild card round, Blaine, Saints obviously taking down the Panthers, and then that Bills-Jags game, I just saw defense all over the field, and I saw Tyrod Taylor. Unfortunately, he was injured, but from what I saw in that game, he didn't want it as much as Nathan Peterman. <laughs> That's uh, that's tough. Peterman comes in, of course, too. Yep. Gets a couple pass attempts, throws the pick. I was excited. Poor, poor, I was yelling. poor guy, though. I mean, what did he have? Like seven picks this year. He probably threw the ball twenty times. <laughs> I mean, that's ah, that's tough. Comes in, throws another one. But yeah, the Bills were. They had to get help just to get into the playoffs. They're a pretty mediocre football team. Yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, it's a cool story, though. It is. It's nice to see him get in. Bills Mafia takes over Jacksonville. There were probably a thousand arrests of people from from uh, upstate New York down in Florida. But uh, in the end, that'll move us on to our matchups coming up now. Let's start with the Jags and the Steelers. I just want to start there as we okay. talk about the Jags and I the Bills. And, and the Jags get the win against a team that I think is pretty mediocre with the Bills. I don't think they can get it done. They're a team that I love and I want to get done. But I just think the Steelers, way too many weapons. Don't get me wrong, the Jags' defense is incredible. It's been fantastic that year, this year. But, I mean, how many teams can hold off? Uh, when Ben's playing well, like he has been, with Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell on the ground and through the air, passing. Le'Veon Bell is just the most valuable offensive player you can ask for. And going up to cold Pittsburgh, I just don't see Blake Bortles scoring. They couldn't score on the build. I don't see him scoring enough points for, for it to make a difference. Jacksonville holds off Steelers only so much. I'll just start off saying right away, I've got the Steelers taking this game somewhere in like a 24-13 to 13 type ball game. Okay. Okay. Blaine, uh, you had Le'Veon Bell in fantasy this year, am I right? Yes, I sir. This is a good time to mention, although you had Le'Veon Bell, 
I I cleaned house in the championship game. Well, I didn't have Le'Veon Bell in the championship <laughs> game. Our commissioner made the championship week 17, so I didn't have my starting quarterback, my starting running back, my top wide receiver, my flex. I didn't have anything. I, I didn't have Gronk either, my tight yeah. end. I had a completely new team. That's what happens when you play week 17. Hey, I, but, I hey, no up, excuses. You had to pick up some guys. Yep. I picked up some guys. Oh, I ended up putting you, up 146. Yeah, 146 on a scratch team, yeah. and I put up 80 <laughs> yeah. when I was putting up 130 all, all right. year. But that's the way. Goes. Special thanks to Team Juju. I'm a big Juju yeah, Smith. Wow, what did he? Carry he had about 95 <laughs> points for yeah. you in Week 17. But anyways, people people don't care about our fantasy yeah. teams, Matt. So let's yeah, move sorry. on. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, what did we win? I told you know 40 bucks, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I really like this matchup because I think it's gonna be fun. Just two tough teams going at it. Whether or not it's gonna be close, we'll see. It's gonna depend on Saxonville on that Jags defense. My prediction is if the Steelers are held under 20 points, I think Jacksonville wins over 20 points. I think the Steelers win. It depends on if Big Ben just takes command early of that ball game. What I saw later in that Bills-Jags game, the Bills could not move the ball. Like, Couldn't do a thing. It's practically impossible to move the ball in that Jags defense. They, they are so good. I think they could key in on Shady pretty well because they trust their secondary against Taylor or Peterman, whoever you put back there. Yeah. I just don't see them with the weapons. Yeah. I think they could really key in on them. I think you look at you're comparing when you compare the Bills offense to the Steelers, it's yeah. just not Nine even close. You can't even compare those two. So for me, you could say that about a lot of teams. You hold them under 20 points, you might win a game. I don't think the Jags are even going to get to 20 points. I think they their defense has to hold the Steelers under 14 points to win. Wow. Yeah. So my, my final prediction would be Pittsburgh wins this game 27-14, and they travel to Foxborough. All right. Well, that will lead us into our next matchup. Going to Foxborough this, this weekend will be the Titans. This is probably, on paper, one of the, the most lopsided playoff matchup mm-hmm. you can see. Um, any chance – in your mind, the Titans could go in and get it done in Foxborough? It's sort of a no-brainer for me <laughs> yeah. that the Patriots win this game. Right. They're just For everyone. It's no-brainer for everyone, you know. Well, yeah. And the Titans don't give me any reason to believe they will go into Foxborough to win that game, except for the way they were able to fight against the Chiefs. Sure. But the Chiefs never want to win a playoff game. No. <laughs> it's not in their blood. Do you remember, like, three years ago when – Luck was down like thirty-five to thirteen. Yep. Yep. He wins like forty-one thirty-eight. Oh yeah. <laughs> like yeah. So anyway, I think the Titans just don't have they don't have a good enough quarterback. Henry could could do some damage, but that Patriots defense needs some love and yeah. Combine it with obviously the greatest Brady. I it's a no-brainer for me. I think. Fox, they move on confidently to play the Steelers. I think Mariota moves around with his legs enough to create some plays. We saw that against the Chiefs in the comeback effort. He's going to have to do that against the Pats defense that I think has improved throughout the year. Um, so that'll be very difficult. But the fact of the matter is I just don't see the Titans defense standing up to the Pats with a fully health, healthy Pats team. This is another one where, gosh, they'd have to put up a lot of points, and I just don't see them doing it because I think the Pats are going to put up 35 on them. I think I think I think I think yeah. it'll be that defense. That defense in Tennessee is not very. Good. I think we could easily be looking at sort of like a like a thirty-eight to twenty-four, maybe if they get a touchdown late to make it close. Mm-hmm. But I got the Pats. It's so hard to take. This is a pretty lopsided matchup. Yeah. You know. 
Let's move on to the NFC. What do you say? Let's, uh, mm, how about we start off with Atlanta and Philadelphia? Okay. Um, just because I want to. Uh, <laughs> no reason, really, but this is really unique. I mean, I, I you know, I bragged about it already, mm-hmm. but I'm, you know, uh, I'm just going to mention again, took the Falcons last week just because I had a gut feeling that that experience would take over for the Rams, a team that, along with the Jags, we both kind of really wanted to move on. I mean, the Rams would have yeah. been fun. But just too much playoff experience. I think they're getting hot at the right time. And I think they take down Philadelphia, too, which isn't such a hot take when you think, oh, the one seed at home. But, Matt, you brought up a pretty important point to me. It's not just me. What is Vegas thinking about this game? Two-and-a-half-point favorite. Falcons over the the Eagles against a one seed at home. That's never happened, right? Mm -hmm. Never been a a one seed who's not the favorite going in at home. I mean, that's just insane. But, yeah, without Wentz, Nick Foles has had some uh, good regular season experience with the Eagles, but that same year, a few years back, just didn't happen in the postseason. I think the suffering continues for the Eagles. Watching their team be the best team in football at many times this year, mm-hmm. leading them to one seed and just boom, your franchise goes down. And it's going to be tough. I think the Falcons get in and score enough. The Eagles' defense, not exceptional enough to shut down Julio and Matt Ryan. Uh, I'm, that, take, I'm taking Falcons again over the Eagles. That really seems to be the problem because you can't expect this Eagles' defense to hold Matt Ryan under 28 yeah I think he's I think he's gonna score a lot in this game yeah and are you gonna expect Nick Foles to put up big numbers it's quarterback league Matt you've said yeah. it I've said it I mean Nick Foles is not a bad quarterback no. I said to you if the Eagles won the Super Bowl with them they could think about dealing Wentz yeah, we talked about that <laughs> but Foles do you see him throwing 350 yards and three touchdowns no. I just no. don't and you need that and they would need to go through Jay Ajayi and LeGarrette Blount and like really, right. really establish a run game to open up. The- They'd really have to run like Henry did this yeah. past weekend for yeah. the Titans, and even more so. So that's it's so strange. I just I don't see Philadelphia moving on. If they have to, they could get a lot of momentum at home. And Foles is a winner. Like he's a winner, and sure, that's a big characteristic in my book when it comes to to sports. Is do you have a winning leader? And I think Nick Foles knows how to win. However, I don't foresee them beating Atlanta. I think Julio Jones could finally break out 150 yards, two touchdowns type of game for him. Just what a weird matchup is what I want to say. Right. Like, it's it's a one seed without their star quarterback. You just don't see that kind of thing happening because it was such a late injury. It's just devastating. How are Eagles fans, I want to know, going to feel going into this game? Like, okay, we're at home. Let's try and get our team the advantage. But they know, like... I want to know what the Eagles fans' expectations are. If you're an Eagles fan listening, give us a shout-out on Twitter. Let us know. So but uh, <laughs> Lane and I have been pretty much agreeing on these first three, but let's see when we go to Minnesota for the Saints going to Minnesota in a, in a dome, am I right? Yeah, inside in Minnesota, which is huge for the Saints, obviously, because they play inside as well. And I think that's going to play a factor. It's not like uh, it's not like they're going up into the tundra like when the Seahawks lucked out on a Blair Walsh missed field goal a few years back. I mean, you're talking indoor stadium, Drew Brees with his weapons didn't even need that stellar running back duo that they've got with Ingram and Kamara down there, and they were able to take down the Panthers. Vikings defense might be a whole other story than the Panthers though this year. Yeah, Blaine, I want to. I want to take Minnesota just play devil's advocate for you because I can advocate for Minnesota. They have a great defense. Sure. And this would be a game, in my opinion, where Case Keenum can prove to everybody and himself that 
he is the real deal at quarterback in Minnesota, that he is better than Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Bradford. I saw a funny statistic last time New Orleans and Minnesota played. Bradford went for 346 and four touchdowns, or three touchdowns, excuse me. So it's a little different of a look for Minnesota and New Orleans here. Obviously, none of our fans are surprised. I love the Saints because they're led by Breeze, and they just have a potent offense. This is the classic case of what will prevail, a potent offense or a great defense. And the difference maker is Case Keenum. What do you think? I would disagree and say the difference maker is going to be the Saints' defense, I think. I mean, we know the Saints can score points. Drew Brees is one of the most well-established quarterbacks the NFL has ever seen as far as throwing the football. He's got weapons this year, and he's got the running backs that can go along with it. And their defense has been very impressive to me at times this year. Uh, They've improved much better than what we've seen from a Saints defense in the past. And is Case Keenum a guy you can trust to go win you playoff football games in the NFL? Maybe, but I think the Saints' defense is just good enough. I think they're going to maybe force a turnover, too. And Adam Adam Thielen might have himself a nice day. He's going to need to have a big day. He he can be kind of an X factor mm-hmm. for the Vikings. If, he, if he's having a big day in, in, in the receiving game, maybe. But I think the Saints' defense is going to do enough, force a turnover, too, on Keenum and get it back to Breeze. And you give him the football long enough, mm-hmm. he's going to make some plays, going to make some deep throws over the top. We saw that against the Panthers. Uh this is a great matchup, too, though. I really am looking forward to this one. It's intriguing to me. I think the Saints win a barn burner here. I'm talking within within one score for sure is this football game. Either way, I could go either way, but I'm going to take the Saints by a score. I want to take the Saints. I mean, everybody knows I love them and really see them as a dark horse for the Super Bowl this year. I really think that. To play devil's advocate, I can go with Minnesota in this matchup because I'm always wrong. If anybody's been listening to these predictions the last couple of weeks, I think I'm like one and six. Hey, players got to make plays. Flip though, it, all right? flip it, and go with Minnesota. I'll I'll flip it and go. Is with that Minnesota your final answer for this game? Is that your final answer? Yeah, I'll flip it and we'll see how it pans out. For well, me. now I really look forward to watching this matchup. We can see because <laughs> yeah, we'll see if Matt's always wrong or not. <laughs> All right, well, that's about it for the main event. NFL playoffs are going to be fun this weekend. I'm looking forward to a weekend of sitting in the house and not doing a whole lot. But uh, this week we've got a really great game coming up. Not talking football, we're talking college basketball. On Wednesday, Hope College taking on Calvin College. The rivalry, as good as it gets. Uh, This is a game you don't want to miss. You can watch it on WGVU or it streams uh, worldwide. People are watching everywhere. Wherever you're at, find find a local watch party, get to it. And have a good time. I'll be there in person. Matt, you'll be there in person. Um, looking forward to it. And uh, we're going to hear from a couple guys that know a little bit about it. It's Dante Hawkins, senior captain for Hope this year. Um, fourth year playing for the Dutchman. He's got a lot of experience in the rivalry. And then at the same time, you've got Jason Beckman, transfer from Alma. First year playing for the Dutchman this year. be really interesting to hear his take because it'll be his first rivalry matchup coming up and it's going to be a great interview with those guys yeah so these guys we got dante has been averaging about 16 and a half a game and jason's just over 22 a game these two guys i can argue for them blaine i mean i love them both to death i could argue for these guys to be the best backcourt in division three basketball i think some people both very very good basketball players. yeah absolutely i think some people were saying that going into the season saying hey you put these two guys together People who understood, because, you know, Hope fans, most of them haven't seen Jason's much, but a lot of them understood how 
how solid of a shooter is one of the best shooters you're going to see at division three level what is his free throw percentage 95 percent this year it's unbelievable can shoot from outside you put these two together yeah for those of you who aren't keeping tabs jason is currently 52 percent from the field 43 percent from three and 94.8 percent from the free throw line unbelievable 50, 40, and then you take a guy like dante you can just create scoring mm -hmm. plays at will yeah these guys are definitely gonna have to lead their team uh, with their experience into the Calvin game because it's a young and inexperienced front court. Um, and we'll talk to them a little bit about that right now. So we've got the guys in for an interview. All right. Thanks so much for being with us, guys. We got Dante Hawkins, senior captain and guard, as well as Mr. Jason Beckman, next to him, junior guard. Thanks for being with us, guys. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Thanks for having us. We're doing good, yeah. Appreciate you having us out here. Of course. Thanks a ton, guys. We really appreciate it. And uh, got a lot of things to talk about. But uh, I think the obvious thing on a lot of people's mind, might as well dive into it, Hope Calvin game coming up on Wednesday. Start with Dante. Uh, you've obviously had experience. Fourth year here at Hope. What is that game like compared to other games? And what are you looking forward to on Wednesday? Yeah, um, honestly, it's obviously the most fun game of the year um, for obvious reasons, the atmosphere, the history behind the rivalry. Um, I'm honestly just looking forward to getting a W and just getting our season back on the right path. So, And on the other hand, Jason, it's your first time playing in a Hope Calvin game. What's that going to be like? What are your expectations for the game? What do you think you, you can expect on Wednesday? Honestly, um, I've just seen it from the outside looking in. In high school, I came to a couple of the rivalry games, but I'm just excited for the atmosphere, a bunch of people that just want to see good basketball. So as a whole, I just think it'll be a fun environment. For sure. I mean, you guys have both played in some really big games. If you look at, like, Jason, earlier in your career, you played a big Elite Eight game. Um, Dante, you've played time and time again throughout your career some big games. If you look at, you know, Hope Calvin and Alma, as well as uh, playing Hanover last year, you had a great game. What kind of goes through your mind when you're thinking, like, a big game's coming up and how, how you have to step up to perform? Yeah, um, well, personally, I just try to relax. I mean, you know it's a big game, but you don't want to treat it any differently than another game or get too amped up. You want to just try to stay relaxed and stay composed and um, just go about your normal preparation like a normal game. Yeah, and to add on to that, like Dante said, I'd just say we, as a team, are looking at it as just one of 14 conference games, and we just got to take care of our business. So as, as much fun and as energetic as the atmosphere is going to be, we just need to take care of our business on Wednesday. Dante, question for you. It's uh, been a pretty big transition as far as teammates goes. You lost a big senior class, right. a lot of good playmakers, um, and now you're kind of coming. You're the experienced senior. You're the captain. You've got a young front court that you play with, a lot of new guys coming in. Mm -hmm. What's the difference in your role been from last year to this year? Yeah, well, obviously you have to teach a little bit more and try to lead more, and patience is a big thing. Um, the last few years we've played we had played with each other for years and we knew how to work off of each other um but this year it's all brand new and you have to realize that these are a lot, a lot of these guys first time playing out and they're still getting acclimated from high school or you know off the bench so yeah patience has been a lot of that and just trying to lead vocally more do you, do you think that really places a big importance on improving throughout the season that this team is going to be better come you know MIAA and tournament time than it was at the beginning of the year oh yeah most definitely I think we're a team that's gonna be playing our best basketball at the end of the year so definitely going we've gone through some rough patches and some adversity but I think in uh by March we should be a scary team if we're clicking right 
Hey, and now let's switch gears here. Um, I noticed earlier this year you guys got the opportunity to hang out with Coach Izzo and some guys over at Michigan State. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about what that's like. And, hey, Wayne and Blaine, we're all about predictions. Make some predictions about the state team as well. <laughs> I I think the first thing that stuck out to uh, Dante, Luke, and I, as well as Coach Mitchell, was the energy in the practice. They're just contagious how energetic the coaches are, the team is. So, Honestly, seeing them practice and then seeing them on the court, it's hard to bet against MSU. So if I had to pick a favorite for the Natty title, <laughs> I'd say MSU Duke with Sparty taking the, taking home the crown. Wow. Sir, and uh, they actually let us tour like all their facilities. They have a lot of new stuff coming in that a lot of us don't know about. So they might be getting some big recruits in the future. But as far as a prediction, <laughs> I think I'm going to go – They'll be Final Four. I don't know if they're going to take it home. Yeah. Final Four, for sure. When you saw Tum Tum face-to-face, were you like, ah, I could ball on him, or? Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a little big dude. But <laughs> <laughs> he's quick. Yeah, he's fast. Yeah. I'll take him in the post, though. <laughs> <laughs> was Not a bad look. Hey, do you guys, you guys uh, obviously Coach Mitch was w- with you guys, and, and Luke Dreyer as well. You said, do you think uh, Coach, do you think it was a learning experience for Coach Mitch, too? I mean, you talked about the intensity of some of their practices I mean, and he stuff. Was, I mean, the, Coach Izzo is probably the second best coach in Michigan, right? Be- behind I mean, behind B-Line, of right. course. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, well, Coach Mitch watches them a decent amount. I think he goes, like, once a year, but right. still, every time, I think it was more of a learning experience just for us players, like, seeing that firsthand. Um, that intensity and like if one guy falls up all 13 guys are running to pick him mm-hmm. up and that's just something I had never seen before right cool I like that change the culture a little bit yeah and also to add on to that like just seeing them in practice it was like the 10th or 11th practice of the year they they were just clearly energetic they were clicking as a unit even in the early preseason like that and they things like having music in practice uh, it's just something small but they made a huge deal in the energy as a collective unit all right, so guys, we gave you this game to think about ahead of time. We gave you a few basketball players that play for Hope, and then you tell us uh, who you think their NBA or college comparative would be. Okay. All right, we're gonna yeah, start with good. we're gonna start with Jeff Goral. Who's his comparative? Jeff Goral. I'm going with Andre Karolinko. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I, he's, I feel like he's got to be one of the bad boys. I don't know. Like Lambeer? He's got a little Lambeer in it. <laughs> he's, been, he's been knocking down the three ball a little bit yeah, this year, though. You watch out for out. Jeff Gore. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know what everybody's talking about? Is that armband functional? That's what I want to know, man. I need to get myself one of those. How about Preston Granger? Preston Granger, I, I feel like he's a little Draymond Green mixed with Joe Kim Noah. <laughs> he's a hybrid. Definitely a Joe Kim Noah, JaVale McGee. Oh, JaVale McGee. No. Athletes, big bodies. Yeah. Sure. I, I've heard a little nickname for him has been Ugly Bucket. Is that right? Yeah. That's, that's a rumor. But <laughs> it doesn't matter how you get him, boys. Yeah. Ball doesn't always go in pretty, but it'll go in. Yeah. How about uh, the sharpshooter Teddy Ray, who dropped 24 against K? How about that? Doug McDermott. <laughs> Doug McDermott. I Doug like it. McBuckets, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And then, of course, I mean, do you have a comparison for uh, your head coach, Craig Mitchell, if he was a player nowadays? I'd say he's strictly a shooter, so I'm going with, like, Steve Kerr back in the day uh, with the Bulls. Uh-huh. I think, yeah, I think that's pretty close. I think it's a good comparison for sure. I like that, Steve Kerr. Cool. Well, boys, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And, of course, good luck this Wednesday and go Dutch. You guys appreciate got anything, that. any final thoughts or anything? No, just 
Thanks for having us, and yeah. uh, hopefully we can make Wednesday enjoyable. Yeah, you better. Excited. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously though. Uh, thanks for coming on, guys. Good luck yeah. on Wednesday. Thanks Thank so you. much. Thanks for what you're doing. It's so great to have those guys on. I mean, they really are starting to get that chemistry together, which is so exciting to see. And for both of them, Jason and Dante, uh, you wish the best for them this Wednesday and the rest of this season uh, to see how they're going to be able to to pull off another excellent Hope basketball season. Yeah, just a couple of well-spoken dudes, really nice guys. It was fun having them on for sure. And look forward to Hope uh, getting a – Nice sound W against Calvin on Wednesday and uh, getting things going in the right direction in the MIAA. So that'll bring us into our closing thoughts, Blaine. Bring in the closer. Yeah, bring in the closer. I want to – I'll have – bring in the Enter Sandman. What's that guy from New York? Mariano Rivera. Do you just ask, what's that guy from New York? You know what I've heard about Mariano Rivera? I don't know if I've said it yet on the podcast. My friend Casey Rutledge told me more people have walked on the moon then scored a run on Mariano Rivera. In the playoffs. In the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that stat. Thanks it's a for fun that, one. Casey. 100%. Um, yeah, closing thoughts for me. I mean, we interviewed those guys. Hope Calvin's a game that if you haven't seen it, tune in. WGVU, if you're in, in Michigan, you can catch it. If not, there's streams online. Uh, there's nothing like it um, at any level. Division three best rivalry, and it's right up there with Division one rivalries as well. It's just such an exciting thing. Close rivalry with people who went to high school together. They played basketball together. And it's just a great intertwined community that, that comes together for a fantastic basketball game just a couple times a year. So try to check it out on Wednesday. And uh, also, if you want to check out some great broadcasting content, you can see Matt and I on the play-by-play and the color for some low hoops. Yeah, if you haven't had enough Wayne and Blaine yet this weekend, tune in on Friday night for the boys and girls West Ottawa games. We'll be in Grand Haven. It'll be exciting. Both those teams uh, really marking off to have pretty great seasons this year. Just another step for the boys' team to win the OK Red back-to-back and take down Clarkston in the state title game. Back-to-back. Yeah. uh, That would be three straight if they could win it this year. Yep. So um, look forward to that, and that'll do it for me, episode number two. Episode number two, under wraps, I think we're getting a little bit better, Blaine. What do you say? Yeah, uh, we'll let let the people decide, but I agree. (laughs) I I, I, I think feel good about it, so. Uh, enjoy taking the time. Hopefully you guys can take the time to listen. And For that, I'm Wayne. and I'm Blaine. This is the Wayne and Blaine Podcast. Mm-hmm.